Hi, I'm Ashley Smith Thomas, a millennial talking about freedom and national security for America. I'm the founder of Freedoms Fund USA, a nonprofit to protect freedom and national security. I'm a speaker, advocate, and thought leader. I spent 2016 saving Christians targeted by ISIS in the Middle East. This was truly an eye-opening and life-changing experience as I watched and learned from my fellow Christians who longed for freedom. It was that experience that became the inspiration to start this show. In this show, come with me as I interview experts about key freedom issues in America and how we can protect freedom. Because if we lose our freedom, how can we bring freedom to the whole world? Let's take action together and let freedom ring. Welcome. My name is Ashley Smith Thomas. I'm the host of Freedom Talks. Last week, we shared with you about the border, what was going on with Border Patrol, and just what our current administration's policies are with our subject matter expert, Victor Avila, who is a retired ICE agent. And today we're going to be continuing the conversation because one thing that I think is really important that Americans need to understand is that not only are the policies not helping the situation at the border, but we also have a threat of the cartel as well as human trafficking. And so, Victor, thank you again, you know, just for being here. And I want to jump right into, um, is it true that the, that the cartel is controlling the border? Absolutely. They not only are the cartels have taken over the, the border in Mexico, they've taken over the country of Mexico. They have control and influence over the entire country. And it's a big shift only from maybe 10, 15 years ago where the cartels still had to answer to, to some politicians. The shift now is that they are now placing their candidates in Mexico and they will respond and work for the cartels. This is, they, they control the police, they control uh, the border, they control these regions. Uh, the public safety, there is no public safety in Mexico per se. And so the big shift also that's occurred is with this open border policy that the Biden administration has implemented, the cartels started taking over the human smuggling and the human trafficking. This is something that I, even in my career was very separate the drug trafficking organizations, and you'll hear, not hear me say that anymore because they're no longer just drug trafficking organizations. We used to call them DTOs and identify them as such. But now, um, I talk about them in my book, I think they should be designated as foreign terrorist organizations, mm -hmm. and I'll say why. Uh, they have uh, evolved from highly, just from drug gangs, drug trafficking organizations to highly sophisticated organizations, criminal organizations. I like people to to start comparing them to Amazon. This is how, how highly sophisticated they are in intelligence, in hierarchy, in equipment, and of course in money. Sure. They're getting billions and billions of dollars. The latest uh, my, uh, fees to, to come in right now on the border is they're making about $14 million a day mm -hmm. with the uh, illegal aliens coming in. So these drug trafficking organizations, these cartels, quickly learned that these humans pay a lot of money. Mm -hmm. uh, it used to be that the coyotes and human smugglers, that was their thing to do. Well, now the, these cartels have taken over. They, you will now pay them in order to be uh, admitted into the U.S., whether you're from Mexico, Central America, or 
from a special interest country like Somalia, um, Bangladesh, Yemen. Uh, and people need to understand we have these special interest aliens coming in as mm -hmm. well. And these are people that have uh, ties to terrorism. Uh, just a few months ago, uh, CBP Border Patrol intercepted two Yemenis that were on the no watch, on the, on the no fly list and the uh, terror watch list. Uh, a couple of months ago, there were 11 Iranians arrested in Arizona as well. How many of these have been in Mexico that have gotten away? Mm -hmm. I used to interview these individuals while I worked in Mexico. They have been in Mexico for a long time, and they have even built neighborhoods and cells because they know that once they're in Mexico, they're as good as being in the U.S., and so they have aligned with the cartels because they have no choice to mm -hmm. control the cartels own that you will have to go through them to pay so all these family units that you see all these individuals whether they're being smuggled or whether they're turning themselves into border patrol it makes no difference to the cartel you will pay them the fee they will smuggle you across or or turn you over to border patrol and you will get paid we're starting to see now is you know the cartels are are a criminal enterprise mm -hmm. and they will exploit these migrants as much as they can. We saw a case just last uh, few weeks ago in Houston of a stash house of over 92 individuals and their illegal aliens in a stash house that were being held against their will. Even though they had already paid the fee, the cartel said, you're not going until you pay an additional $5,000 per person. And so they continued to extort them and hold them hostage. And because they don't care, they, sure. they have no, you know, the human life to them means nothing. And not only do they rape the women, they, uh, they use the men to transport drugs now. Another thing that they're doing is if you are going to be smuggled into the U.S., you're going to be taking 200 pounds of methamphetamine with you. Or you're going to be taking uh, counterfeit pills with you. Or you're going to be taking fentanyl with you as part of the smuggling venture. You don't have a choice. This is happening a lot with the children as well. There's two cases that's happening with the children. One, the parents willingly give them up, which right. I've never understood in my career. I've never understood that. Even if, even, even if I understand the desperation of these people of the country where they're coming from, I can't under understand how you would give your child up to uh, this, these criminal organizations, but they do. Second is they also sometimes don't have a choice, that if you come with a child, the cartel will take the child, it will smuggle the parent, and they will try to reunite you uh, sometime in the, in, in the future. But what happens is now we have over 20,000 unaccompanied children in custody mm -hmm. in the U.S. First, we had them under Border Patrol custody. And you, everyone saw this at the Donna facility and the right. overcrowded. And all they did, the Biden administration, is shift them from one building to the other under HHS, Health and Human Services, which is still a, a, a huge disaster. They are closing detention facilities that it opened up because of the issues that they've encountered there. A lot of rapes, mm -hmm. sexual assaults, and physical assaults, fights, and stabbings and, and the such. Because you cannot be putting a 17-year-old male, even though under federal law he's an unaccompanied minor. Sure. Not in my eyes. In my eyes, he's a cartel member. Right. He's a, he's a, uh, a gang member, an MS-13 member, uh, gang member. And, but, but the Biden administration... Somehow they're incompetent in holding this. And anyone that's worked in the, in the prison system, and I have, uh, knows that there's a designation that has to happen before you place people in certain cells. You cannot put a 17-year-old male with an 11-year-old girl in the same place. Right. You're going to have these issues. 
And so they've had these issues. And, and because of that, they've started to close some of these facilities. My point being is that these migrants have put themselves even in worse danger, even in worse situations that they weren't even in, in their own country. And so I think there has to be accountability on them as well. Mm -hmm. We had a lady, a, a woman, a mother, abandon her five children last week in the desert, consciously abandon them. And she talks about, in the news, about abandoning her children and hearing them as she walks away. She was hoping that Border Patrol would, help, would encounter them. And Border Patrol did not encounter them. It was a rancher. You mentioned the rancher. Yes. Luckily, a rancher discovered the five babies from 18 months to about three or four years old. Yes. And th those kids are in U.S. custody. The mother is in Mexico. But here's the problem that I have. Now they're, they're making arrangements to bring the mother to the U.S. No. <laughs> yeah. It's backwards. We should make arrangements to take her children back to Mexico. Yeah. And where's the accountability on the abandonment of her children? Absolutely. Because if you would do that in the United States, you would have CPS at minimum knocking on your door, if not the police, mm -hmm. to invest, investigate you for child endangerment and other charges. We need to hold these people accountable. Uh, I mentioned in the previous show about lawlessness. Mm -hmm. That's the lawlessness that's happening. There's no enforcement of law. That's why we need to, in the state of Texas, we need to support our sheriffs. Let's get our sheriffs together. Our sheriffs are overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Our sheriffs have sent a declaration of emergency to the governor's office and it's been ignored because they're overwhelmed in their communities, receiving hundreds of people. Some are in transit, but some are staying here. And they don't have the resources to deal with the crime, the healthcare, the schooling. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of issues. And we need to support our sheriffs because they do have a certain amount of authority in their counties to enforce these laws. We need to let the state of Texas, let them enforce them to secure the communities. No, that's good. And I'm glad you brought up about the sheriffs because you know, I saw about that, you know, how they put their letter together. And, and what is amazing to me is the fact that it's just sitting there on Governor Abbott's desk. He's not doing anything about it. So my question to you is, why do you think he's not doing anything about it? And then what does that tell these communities? Because these communities now are having to rely on their resources and finances to take care of a situation that's not even their problem. Like now, now it's forced upon them to do something. So why do you think that this is happening? Why do you think he's not doing anything? We are, and I'll answer your question this way. We are at a point in our community, in our country, that we need to put politics aside. Yeah. We need to put re-elections aside. We need to represent our constituents, our citizens of this country and of this state now mm -hmm. and put that first. Uh, you know, the America First agenda is not a bad one. Right. It's a good one. It's, it's one that uh, will only make us stronger. It actually will help us help other people. Mm -hmm. When you help yourself and take care of yourself, then you have the ability to help others. This is what the governor needs to do. This is what other elected officials need to do is put everything aside and whatever decision, whatever votes they're going to do, make them to benefit the citizens of the state and the citizens of this country. Because uh, anything other than that is going to hurt us. Sure. There is no other benefit other than the negative ripple effect that we're going to see. And, and like I mentioned before, not just in, in our state, in Texas, but around the country. And it will affect the school system. It will affect the healthcare system. It will affect the criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. Just like the sheriffs are overwhelmed here, you will see towns around our country be overwhelmed in all these categories. And who are those elected officials going to put first? 
people from other countries or people from that are from here. Absolutely. It's time to uh, represent and, and represent now to, to hopefully um, uh, better the situation. No, that's really good. And to kind of shift gears just a little bit, um, I know that you were recently at the border and you had provided some clips of just what was taking place. And one of them in particular, seeing um, a border patrol, like you saw like El Paso on one side and the border wall on the other. And can you explain a little bit about that, but also the makeshift bridge and the makeshift ladder that you saw? Right. What what is that even about and what's going on? So uh, I, I've done two visits, one to the, the valley where a lot of people are familiar with, where you see people coming across the river in rafts and turning themselves into Border Patrol. And I went and did that and saw that and talked to the agents. But what I wanted to do is compare a different region. And I went to El Paso County, Hudspeth County, which is a very different terrain. I stood in the middle of the Rio Grande River. It has almost no water in it. Uh, to prove a point, there is no barrier there. The cartels are using these porous areas of our border to introduce not just illegal aliens, but drugs and, and other uh, illicit uh, activity down there, human trafficking. And so uh, the videos that I, that I showed you um, is also the part where there's a wall. And these illegal aliens uh, have built these makeshift ladders that they hook onto this 30-foot Trump wall. They climb it like you wouldn't believe. I saw them climb. I saw five individuals jump jump it. This was in the New Mexico, uh, Sunland Park, New Mexico area okay. that borders um, uh, Mexico. Very, very dangerous area right now. Border Patrol tells me right now. Border Patrol is very active there, but they're understaffed, undermanned. Why? Sure. Because they have been detailed down to the southern border of Texas to help process. And so um, they had, I saw Border Patrol on horseback. I saw the helicopter up there trying to locate these individuals because these individuals are not turning themselves into Border Patrol. They're trying to avoid Border Patrol by any means uh, necessary. And these are individuals that when they do encounter them are gang members, are cartel members, and have criminal histories in the U.S., criminal histories in the U.S., besides the, the ones they might have from their own country. Mm -hmm. So these are bad people that are coming in. And so um, I was kind of shocked to see that. And I, I show in the video the ladders. Another thing that the border agents told me that I, I actually had never thought about, and that's why I like going to the border because I learn a lot. Sure. That's why I want our elected officials to go down there because I know they'll learn. Yeah. Um, a lot of people die and are injured from jumping that 30-foot wall. They'll, they'll scale it from one end, but when they come over, they're, they're rushed with adrenaline. Sure. They fall and break their necks. They break their arms. They break their legs. Guess what? We have to then pick them up, take them to U.S. hospitals and care for them that the U.S. taxpayer is paying for that bill. Many, many issues happens, mm -hmm. happens there. And so uh, the, the wall is incomplete in certain areas there. It stopped the construction. I would love to see it because the wall is a system there. I saw the wall where... Uh, it ends the construction, and there's it's the wall is followed by other technology, lights, mm -hmm. sensors, fiber optics, but all that was shut down by the Biden administration. I, I was with the border agent in Hudspeth County. It's pitch dark out there, and the lights are turned off. I said, why aren't the lights at least on? What does it have to do with the wall? He says, no, when they stopped the construction of the wall, they shut off the, the lights as well. And <laughs> like... You know, they need help. Yeah. And they need all the resources possible, not only for their safety, but to detect these individuals coming in That's from true. the other side. That is just amazing and, and just unbelievable because when I saw the clip of just the makeshift ladders, I couldn't believe because it just seems so unstable and sturdy. That I was thinking, how on earth do they even get across the wall, you know? And it's just, 
just mind blowing because I can't imagine, you know, doing that myself, but it's very, very fascinating. And I also saw on one clip that you showed the, uh, makeshift bridge. Can you elaborate on that bridge? That bridge is, uh, it's like a small, this is in Hudsmith County, way east of El Paso County. It's this makeshift, uh, and people could, uh, follow me and and see it on on the social media or follow you and see it. If you post it on there, um, I walked on it, it, it's a bridge I think was eventually or initially for a dam or something to control the Rio Grande River, the water. There was no water there, very little water. Nevertheless, the bridge is there. Sure. And you could see the landing area on the other side where the cars just stop and that's where they drop off the illegal aliens and they run across that little bridge and get picked up by a vehicle on the other side and taken to a stash house and here we go. These are the smuggling ventures. These are not the ones that are turning themselves in. I want to make clear. These are people avoiding detection. And if you avoid detection, you're avoiding it for a reason. Sure, absolutely. And, and people need to understand that uh, our Border Patrol agents are still encountering some of those and are interdicting some of those. But there's so many gotaways. The, the, that's how they refer to the people that they do not detect the gotaways. And we really don't know the number. They've put the number out there in the in the tens of thousands, but we really don't know how many. We know how many last month, 178,000 were encountered by Border Patrol. They, they call them apprehensions, but really most of them are turning themselves in. Mm-hmm. The gotaways, they don't know, over 36,000 maybe. That's the number they put out, but they really don't know. This is the national security issue that Absolutely. really uh, need to we need to keep in mind. Well, and speaking of national security, um, one of the clips that you showed, just six men running across and you caught it on tape and Border Patrol is on a route. No one was around to to deal with the situation. And so it's just, it's very disconcerting, you know, what's going on. And I remember like overseas, particularly with the refugee crisis back in 2016, a lot of the countries were concerned about what they call MAMs, you know, the military aged males, because it's one thing when you have the actual family unit, but when you have all of these MAMs running across the border and entering into these countries, how do you not know that they wouldn't do like a lone wolf attack? Or how do we even know that they're even here for the right reasons? And so you see what it appears to be um, a lot of MAMs right now coming across our, our Texas-Mexico border versus solid family units. Um, what concerns do you have in regards to that? And, and that's a great uh, question because the I talked to the border agents down in the valley about this. Initially, when, when the, the crisis and Biden opened the border, they were sending everyone in to turn themselves in. And Border Patrol was trying to at least do some kind of vetting immediately. And they were encountering a lot of these men that you refer to. Mm-hmm. Criminal histories, gang members, and they were you know, shifting them and, and, and doing all this. The cartels, and this is coming straight from the border agents, the cartels said themselves, we're not gonna do that anymore. We're gonna separate, they, the cartels themselves in Mexico are separating these individuals and no longer sending them with the family units. So they won't overwhelm Border Patrol, so they won't be detected we are gonna smuggle them. And so they continue to smuggle them down in the valley. They continue to smuggle them in Arizona and and, and West Texas and El Paso. And it is very concerning because you're absolutely right. There is absolutely no vetting happening. That's the key word here. We don't have the ability to know who these individuals are. Even some of the people that are turning themselves in are not completely vetted. We don't know. We don't have the time or the resources to actually do the checks Another thing that's happened is that the consulates from these countries are nowhere to be found. 
We're not getting the cooperation uh, as an agent. When I arrested a foreign national, one of my duties within 24 hours, I had to notify that country's cons consulate, that individual's country, uh, usually to the consulate, that he was in custody in the U.S. I mean, it, by law. And, and they would right away respond and, and they would then send at least information on that individual, birth certificates, some kind of sure. identifi identifier. They're not, they're not doing that now. So we don't have that cooperation. And so we don't, we don't know that that's the correct date of birth. We don't know that's their true, true name. Uh, we don't have, unless they have already been in the system and fingerprinted, which a lot of them have because mm -hmm. they're prior criminals. And so it is, it is a, a very dire situation when it comes to that because there's, there's no vetting of those, individual, those, of those individuals. There's no vetting of the children as well as right. far as if the, the DNA testing of the parents. A lot of these children that are coming with these adults are not their parents. And because we have over 20,000 in custody right now, the Biden administration is getting uh, anxious to release them. And they want to put them in foster cares. They want to put them with sponsors in the U.S. And they're starting to release these children into, well, this, this person says that it happens to be the aunt or the cousin in Chicago. Right. And no one is going to that location in Chicago and knocking on that apartment to vet or, or verifying, in fact, if it is a family member. And we're releasing this, these children to possible child trafficking Absolutely. situations. And that, that's what I, I'm glad you brought that up because it... it my concern is, is this leading now to human trafficking? So these children could have been trafficked to come to the United States, and then now they're being trafficked here inside the United States, not knowing who they're going to, you know, and, and you know, thinking that they're going to Houston or Chicago and going to a so-called family member, but it's not the family member. And it's just, it's unbelievable that this is happening. And it's really unfortunate because I spoke with someone that uh, has been working down at the border and they said a lot of these children are already so traumatized from what they had experienced on their journey coming to the United States that there's even been children who've been so sexually abused that they can't even talk now. And this here is just tragic and it's un really unfortunate because these children didn't ask for this and it's being, I feel like, forced upon them and they're being used, you know, by these individuals to get here to the United States. And so with that being said, um, can you explain to us the difference between smuggling and human trafficking? Because I think a lot of Americans have an idea of what human trafficking is and sometimes it's kind of um, not the reality of what human trafficking truly is. Um, so if you can explain that and really show us and tell absolutely, us what absolutely. that is. Yeah, it's, and it's a, there's a, these are two very different crimes and, and elements to the crime. Human smuggling is uh, the best way to explain it is a one-time venture. The illegal alien pays, in this, ca in this case, we'll, talk, we'll call the cartels. They pay the cartel a certain amount of money to be introduced into, smuggled into the United States. And they pay and they get into the U.S., and that's it. That's the end of that, that crime, and that's the end of that encounter. Um, and that's a smuggling venture. Whether Right now, whether it is that they turn themselves into Border Patrol or whether they come in uh, through the river and trying not to be detected and placed in the back of a tractor trailer, in the back of a pickup truck, um, there's these horrific cases of human smuggling cases of, uh, of them dying as well because uh, the smugglers... Uh, don't care if you can keep up in the desert. They don't care if, if you're dehydrated, if you have a health condition, if you can't walk. They will leave you there to die. That's, that's the smuggling. The trafficking is the exploitation of that individual 
for sexual exploitation reasons mm-hmm. or forced labor reasons. And um, but it's important to note that sometimes they do commingle and they do interact. Some of the victims are smuggled to be then trafficked in the United States. You do not have to be smuggled to be trafficked. You can be already in the U.S. and be trafficked. There's a lot of U.S. citizens that are trafficked. And human trafficking is the exploitation and what we call modern-day slavery. Mm -hmm. You have a victim, a a child, or a young female, uh, usually for sexual exploitation purposes, prostitution, uh, are placed in a in a an apartment. They can can or cannot be transported. It doesn't matter. It some some traffickers transport the individuals around uh, to see the clients. Some are held in in a brothel type apartment where they come to see them, and they have these victims seen. I saw in my career investigations of twenty to thirty men a day, and the the victim is then treated like this table, or it's, it's a commodity for them, until she becomes too ill that she cannot perform or dies, mm-hmm. and, and they just get rid of her. And But the thing is that the human trafficking victim and these cartels have learned that they pay, and they pay, and they continue to produce income for them. And so they've taken over that human trafficking as well, because human trafficking is now generating billions of dollars. And so these uh, victims, uh, you know, the, the drug traffickers know that if they sell cocaine, they sell their kilos of cocaine, they have to go back and get more cocaine. Mm-hmm. But they learn quickly that the victims will stay there for years. And sometimes they'll do take them to the doctor. Sometimes they'll do take them to uh, get care. Uh, and there's a lot of issues. I talk about a case in, in my book, uh, horrific stories. And I, I purposely put one on there uh, of the capabilities of these traffickers and what they do Mm -hmm. because I want people to know that this is real, that it exists, that child trafficking does happen, that uh, human smuggling exists, and and it's a a, a violation that happens in plain sight. It could be your neighbor. Also forced labor, indentured servitude. We see a lot of workers in the agricultural field be taken advantage of and exploited that way. And so it, it is a real issue and even more so now that the cartels are taking advantage to bring them in into the U.S. Sure. Unbelievable. And as we you know, wrap up here, what are some solutions that we can offer viewers of how they can take action and be part of pushing back against this evil that we're seeing in our nation? What are some solutions that they can do to, to take action? One solution that, um, that th- this is a little separate that I would like to see is the enforcement, the interior enforcement come back. The Biden administration has basically eliminated the ICE enforcement removal operations, part of ICE, which are the ones that run the detention facilities, the ones that run the airplanes that, you know, fly people back to their home country. They're not being deported right now. Last month, we had the lowest number of deportations, 3,000. That's it. That means that people are being released from these detention facilities into the streets, into our communities. These are people with convictions of crimes, of serious crimes, and they're not being deported back to their home country. And I'm talking about China, Brazil, all South America, all over the world. And uh, so my point is, it all comes down to local politics. Mm-hmm. Get involved with your local politics. Know who your representative is. Who's the one that represents your, your street there? Who's your city council member? Who's your county commissioner? Who's your school board member? They're going to 
they're going to come, it's going to come a point here in the very near future that they're going to start making decisions that are going to affect your child and going to affect your community. And do you want them to make the decisions based on you, the U.S. citizen that is a taxpayer, or based their decisions on a person that just arrived here that, by the way, uh, we mentioned the issues that they come with? Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked to the border agents. A lot of them are illiterate. They can't read or write Spanish. They only speak a dialect. And so there's a lot of issues. They, they've never been vaccinated for anything. Forget COVID-19. Sure. They're bringing that in as well. We didn't even touch a lot about that. But, you know, we've struggled in our country and we've had shutdowns and businesses have suffered and we've gone through this crisis of our own because of coronavirus. Yet, if you're illegal and have coronavirus, nobody seems to care. Right. And, and it's, a, it's a terrible double standard. It's a public safety issue, a health issue. And it's going to come to your town. So get involved in your local town. Go to your city council meeting. Go to a school board meeting. So you'll be surprised what you find out of what your elected officials are doing and saying. And that way you could reach out to them. They're readily available there for you. They're there to represent you and your constituents and what is best for your community. And that's what's best for someone from another country. That's so good. Thank you so much for sharing how we can take action because it's so important that we do get involved at the local and state level. I think a lot of people focus on the national and federal level, not realizing it's impacting right here at home, right here in our community. So thank you so much, Victor, for joining us today. It was such a pleasure to have you here and and for you to share your expertise. His book, Agent Under Fire, is an excellent read, and I really encourage you to get your copy. You can find it on Amazon excellent book as he shares his background, his story, what he went through, and he too offers solutions of how things can change uh, in regards to the border. Thank you so much. And again, um, you know, just to close here, I'll say this, that President Ronald Reagan said that evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. And it takes people like you and me who are good to push back against this, take action and do what we can to get involved in the local community because together we can stand for righteousness, speak truth and protect freedom. God bless.